by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. It's an awesome opportunity, a privilege, and an honor to be there. I, I've been there right at 11 months from now, or tomorrow. Tomorrow will be 11 months. And, uh, it's it's more of a privilege. I don't I don't look at it as work. I I can't wait to get up and get back in there, you know. And and they give you an office and this this and I'm I'm never in there, you know. I'm always out with the guys and and it is it's tough because you know I at one point I could have very easily have been right there with them as an alcoholic uh, in my early years of playing music in Nashville. I you know it kept me from some good jobs. One one was with a star everybody knows, Alan Jackson. I I, I couldn't hold my I couldn't hold my booze, so he he let me go after six months. And uh, I look back at that sometimes and think, you know, re- with regret. But then there's other times God just honed my skill, and and I know I'm I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do now, you know. And so it's such a it's such an honor to to be able to do it for Him. I, my motto for my ministry for years has been lifting praises to an audience of one because I don't I don't sing to you guys anymore I sing I sing to him and I just want you all to follow and uh and then God hooks you up with like-minded guys and and we've been friends for years it's hard to believe he's my pastor now but it's cool it's I love it I, it's just and so if you're wanting one of them stories and you know papa stories and stuff, I, I, we can get him up here and save one or something like that you know and then, and then I'll then I'll go but I just I wanted to reach in. I, I shared this with the guys a while back. I get the opportunity to be with them every day, and yeah, we do have policy, and we got to walk the halls, and this this got to be this way, and room inspections, and med call, and all this type of stuff. The daily grind reports and stuff you got to print every day. But the coolest part I have is every every night at seven thirty we have church, and whether Monday night David Vincent, my my buddy, he's there, and, and he does what we call man cave. And he gives them a, a jolt in the arm. Uh, Tuesday night, Bellevue comes, and they they they've donated their time for years. Uh, I got a friend of mine on Wednesday nights that comes. Thursday night's mine. That's the house meeting. That's when I get to give them the rank ups and and stuff like that. And it's it's then then I get to share the word with them. And uh, God's used me. God's used me more than ever because I'm not I'm a preacher with that on. I mean, I I I I, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I just you know, I've usually got a guitar going, and so it's, it's like, you know, all this, all that walk around, all you know, but it's uh, it's it's that's that's the nervous part, but uh, but it's awesome when they come up to you afterwards, and and uh, my office has been deemed the dugout because we're all a lot of us are baseball fans there, and of course, uh, baseball's just kicked off again, you know, for the season, and so we go to the dugout and we we'll laugh and we'll we'll cry and we'll vent and we'll. We'll pray and we'll, you know, whatever, whatever God, you know, sees fit. The dugout is open territory. My door is always open. And and uh, uh, last Thursday I got to to speak to the guys and, and one guy come back and he just, he couldn't contain himself. Can I, can I shut the door? And I'm like, yeah, man. He's been there about a week and a half and shut the door. I just, I just thought I knew Jesus, but I got to have what you got. And just hit his knees right there. I mean, it was just like, uh, I'm sitting in my chair going, well, okay, uh, well, you know, 
<clears throat> so I just went and got on my knees with him, and we prayed, and man, he, he hooped and hollered all the way down the hall. I just got saved! I just got saved! You know? And the whole the whole house is just, yeah, woohoo! You know, and I listen to that, so it's, that's the cool, that's the cool part to see a life changed, and uh, I'm, I'm very thankful. I just, uh, I've been around David in that ministry since it started, and we've been friends for a long time, and and it was just God's timing. I'd, I've been in and out of there over the years and stuff, and but it was just it, it was at the right time. And then it's just I just I can't you know I, I just that's hard to believe what I'm doing. It's, it's, and I love it. I'm I'm so thankful. But tonight I want to talk to you a little bit. I talked to these guys about it uh, a couple three weeks ago about accountability. I, I my my thing on Thursday nights is I teach about godly leadership, what they're going to be when they walk out of the Warrior Center. It's easy to sit there and, and eat your three meals a day and go work on the work crew and go to church and everything is everything's scheduled out for you. You know every day what you're going to be doing. But when that day comes, like tomorrow night, for a man by the name of Darren Tolliver, he's going to graduate. And uh, he's been there for... Darren's had a rough, rough go of it. Darren's got almost two years in at the Warrior Center, which is usually just about a year program. But, you know, sometimes we hit speed bumps along the way and it slows your progress down. And but uh, Darren's going to walk out the door, you know, and then uh, he's got to face it all by himself. And so that's my uh, my calling, I guess, at the time for for Thursday night uh, house meeting time is is just to teach these guys what God wants them to be to be the to be the godly son, the the, the brother, the the dad. I mean, it's 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 such a it's that's a that's a big deal to a lot of these guys. You know, some of them haven't seen their kids and. I mean, I, you know, I I can't imagine. You know, I, I went about a two-year period without my son talking to me much, and uh, and that boy walked up his aisle Sunday, and whew, buddy, he'd talk about rejoicing. Buddy, that was a field goal right there, buddy. That's all I can. And then kneel down between my feet and my daughter's feet, and she's over there, <laughs> snot fest everywhere, and I'm doing everything I can to keep it off, you know. And, but uh, that boy's talked to me more in the last three or four days than he has in the last two years, and I'm I'm so thankful. So, so God is good, ain't he? We're going to be, if you, I don't know if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Galatians chapter 6, and we're just going to go 7 through 10. And uh, I'm going to read that real quick to you all. I've got it in the New Living. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good, because it's just at the right time. How many can? How can many can in here can say you've had one of those moments? He's right on time. We'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in God's family. That's why I look at these guys when I look at them every day. You know, they they come down the hall and and we have a we have a policy David has to where when they see they see any executive staff member for the first time each day they salute and say walk in love and I salute back and say walk in love to them and then after that it's just I'm giving hugs and I'm fist bumping and we're just you know we're it's it's we built such a rapport with the guys that are in there. I got guys coming to me that are coming on to staff. How do you how do you do that? Well. 
that's a trust factor. You don't, that's not something I can give you. You, you have to earn that. And it's taken a while to do it, but they know Chad means what he says because what's that old saying? They don't, they don't care what you know until they know you care. Well, the warriors, the warriors I deal with every day know this man cares, and they know I pray for him when I'm not there. They pray for my family. They've been praying for Austin all the time, the whole time I've been there. I mean, so that because see, I I I've got the side over here when I go to work, and these guys are trying to make a difference in their life. They've given up and said, "Okay, I got to do something." And then I would go home, and I had the other side of the coin where I didn't do nothing wrong. The world's just you know crapping on me, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's that's where Austin was. And uh, so it's, it's it's such an honor to be able to. Isn't it funny how when he started going through all this, I didn't know what to do. Him and I, we didn't talk and all this. And then God puts me in this position so I can learn how to handle this side of the coin. So, I mean, he's, he's so on time. He's just right there like it says. Don't, I didn't give up, and at the right time we'll reap a harvest. Harvest doesn't always mean a, a bucket of 20s. Although I could go for a bucket of 20s right now. How about y'all? But, I mean, you know, it's not always a bucket of 20s, man. I've been praying. I mean, there were times I, I, he made me so mad. There were times I just got so angry with him. He called me everything but his mother. I mean, hurtful. I mean, to the point to where I'd go off by myself and I had to cry because of the things he said to me. Nobody knows that. Mama don't know that. Sissy don't know that. But it was to me, man. It was because it was hard. I know you'll tell on me now, Donna. But, uh. But being at the Warrior Center helped me to keep my mouth shut. Because I'm, I'm a, anybody knows me, I'm a vocal dude. I'll get in your Kool-Aid in a minute. You going to smart off to me? I got something for you, back. I've learned to do it more casually and in love than I used to. But I'm, I'm going to get in your Kool-Aid, buddy. I'm going to get right up in your grill. You understand? And him and I would go toe-to-toe. You know, boy, he'd, want, he'd rip off his shirt. Come on, you want some of this? You want... I'm in my own living room, and I'm going, boy, go sit down. You know, I, I outweigh you by 100 pounds. All i got to do is sit on you, you know. But it's, it's, it's God's timing. It's all in God's how he, how he works it all out. You can, if you take, take the last six months of your life, anything that's been going on, and, and, and just review the last six months, and you're going to see where God just intertwined throughout that whole six months. My mom and dad had the blessing today to sit down over coffee and, and go through 54 years together. It's their anniversary today. And, and mom told me that, and it reminded me what I was thinking about, how God intertwines everything and how, and how she said, well, the first years were this and this. And then when we started serving God, I just, I, you know, and it was true. I mean, it, it, it does, it makes it so much easier. But in accountability, in an accountability factor, we need alarm bells sometimes for, uh, for us, you know, to, that kind of, rattle your cage a little bit when you might be stepping off to the left or the right you know and I, there's 10 little things here that I wrote down um, is your personal walk with Jesus up to date and I'm not talking when you come in on Sunday and Wednesday and you have the church face hi Cody bless you bless you you're such a blessing to the family here and you, you almost like you, you you got gas or something. You got this painful look on your face. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about are you are you every day? I try to get up every morning, and I, but when I'm I don't even get up out the bed. I put my feet on the floor and I say, all right, God, am I out of line in any way? Oh boy, yes, you are. Let's talk. Or come on, let's go. 
I mean, God will tell you. But you got to have that one on. You got to have the pipeline clean. You got to get all the trash out of the blowpipe there. Okay, you got to get it gone. You have to do that. That's that. that I mean, how are we going to minister to someone else if our if we ain't got it lined up? How many? How many? And I'm guilty of this. I'm I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many times have we been to church and we're just Hallelujah, yes. Boy, you just, you, you caught it, man. It was on fire. It was good. It was anointed. You go home and the dog pooped in the floor. You dog, you know, you start getting ugly or something, whatever it might be, you know, or the kids get, do something. That's, that's when you have to sit there and go, oh. but with growth, with growth, man, accountability. Anybody married? Look at all y'all. That's the best accountability partner in the world. My wife is, I promise you, I'll, I'll, she'll say something I don't want to hear it. I know that ain't right. You know it is. Oh, okay, Holy Spirit. You know, I don't hear, she don't hear me say that, but I know I, I know the Holy Spirit's using her to, come on, because I, 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 I had temper issues. I'd get, I'd get mad like that. But God has, I'm 53 now. I ain't got time to get all worked up and blood pressure blowing out your head and all this and that. It just it ain't worth it. All right? All right, make sure your personal walk with Jesus is up to date. Number two, am I keeping my priorities straight? Is he first? I'm not going to say what, what comes in, what falls in behind that is, is an individual thing. They tell you what it's supposed to be. It's what it is in your life. But God has to be first. God has to be first. Number three, am I asking the hard questions? Do you ask yourself, man, if you know you're doing wrong, you know you're messing up, you're going to continue to do this, making sure nobody's watching, and you know, you have to get, just ask yourself the hard questions. Okay, I know I don't, I, I need to do something else here, God. I know that the way I'm doing things and the way I'm believing ain't, ain't the way you say to do it. I don't care if mama did it. I don't care if grandma did it. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a religious dude, if you all can figure that out. I can't stand the word denomination. I believe denomination is of the pit of hell because all it does is separate us down here to where we can't get nothing accomplished for the kingdom there. Okay? There ain't going to be those barriers when we get there. You know, oh, them Church of Christ boys, we better stay away from them holy rollers. They're going straight to hell. You know they are. <laughs> Bless their hearts. They think everybody's going to hell, but that's okay. Oh, them Baptists can't mess with them Methodists now. Uh-uh. Would it, would it not be amazing to see what the body of Christ could do if we could put them barriers and bury them in the backyard somewhere and get together and go out and do something for Jesus? I mean, it's just, it don't make any sense at all. Am I accountable to someone in authority? I'm not talking. I got a boss. David's my boss. <laughs> Keith just goes like this to Ruth. <clears throat> Me too, buddy. Me too, by the way. Not Ruth, but Misty. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, David's my boss at the Warrior Center. He's the chief executive officer, founder, and all this and that. I am the discipleship program director. I'm on down the ladder. We're all executive staff. But do, are they holding you accountable? Those guys, dude, you, you got to understand, I'm dealing with guys that just maybe got out of jail, 
dudes that walk in and we got to tell them, hey, man, you're going to have to come back in three days when you're sober. You're going to have to go through detox before you can come in here. Um, attitudes. Man, the, the, some, some of the court order guys are the hardest ones. Well, I don't want to be here. Well, well your court order says you got to be here. You're doing 15 years. What do you want to do? A year here or you want to do 15? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> they change real quick, you know. But sometimes they like to come in with that John Wayne attitude. Well, I'm going to do it my way, by golly. You know. <laughs> no, you ain't. You ain't. Um, you'd be surprised. They, they treat it like jail sometimes. They'll bring drugs up in my house. Oh, yeah. Heroin, crystal meth, Xanax, marijuana. I've, I've seen it all in 11 months. But what they didn't realize what they were getting 11 months ago was a guy that has a zero tolerance for that. Because I don't have that in my own personal home, and you ain't going to bring it in God's home. And they found out that I really meant what I said one night. A guy had, had I, he, it was in his hands. Crystal Meth, I ain't going to give no names. He had already done two and a half years at 201 Poplar. We got him. He come in within a week. He was distributing it throughout. Fifteen of my guys got high. I got mad. Not at him for bringing it in. I got mad at the devil. So, you know, sometimes you do those things where I'm going to ask forgiveness instead of permission. <laughs> I didn't ask David permission. And I called the law. And they come in and they cuff that boy. They shackled that boy. They took his stuff. Lights are flashing out in front of the building. And they walk, and every one of my guys are going, well, Chad means business. He ain't. I don't mean business because if you want to go get high, go get high. I've told him a million times, if you don't want to be here, get out. Don't mess up somebody else's sobriety because you still want to get high and you're just looking for a bed. But I kept telling them, I said, you guys are going to be surprised one day when I bring the dogs up in here or I bring a cop up in here and they take you to jail and the rest of my 57 guys are looking at you going, oh, Lord. You'd be surprised how the dope just stopped coming to the house. Does it still try to sneak in? Oh, yes. I mean, it's it's, it's going to. That's, that's part of it. But put your foot down. Show them your bound. I had my first pastor that I was under, full-time ministry, always said, okay, when you first meet with somebody and you're talking to them, sit down. Set the boundaries now. Don't wait six months down the road. Set the boundaries now. This is what I'm going to accept. This is what I'm not going to accept. This is what I'm going to allow what I'm not going to allow. Boom. Groundwork's done. Let's go on. Let's minister. Let's get these people saved. Amen? <clears throat> so when, it's, when you're, you got someone accountable, let them be accountable. Make sure there's somebody there that, that you're going to, you've you got a face. Your wife, my boss, my clinical director who has become one of my dearest friends. He, uh, his name is Larry Garman. He's a 64-year-old black man that I, I love him like he's my own brother. We, we joke and we have the best time at work, but we're serious about what we do. Uh, Mr. G was a registered nurse for 12 years and lost his license due to his addiction to heroin. He got clean, and for the last 32 years, he's been helping guys out. He's got all them letters behind his name. I don't know how he, it spells the whole alphabet. <clears throat> it's not in order, but it spells the whole alphabet. 
But he is just he's just one of the kindest guys in the world. But buddy, don't 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 bring dope in the house. Don't be stupid. He's the one that's got to call all the POs. He's, he he keeps in touch with all the legal end of it, all the all the clinical stuff. There's certain drugs we can't allow. If you if you take a certain kind of pill, and it and it's not my on my list of no drugs, it don't come to the house. They got to find something else, you know. So it's one of them things. Sometimes they're too over over medicated to be at the warrior center. Then we have to send them someplace else. There's a lot of lot of pages that turn in this business, but I'm I'm thankful to God that October first of this year. Uh, before I say that, a faith based uh, uh, recovery program like I'm I'm part of. People will open up 501c3. They try to do it the nonprofit way, and within 18 months to 24 months, they're closing their doors because they just they can't make it. It's just it's one of them things that just dries up. Not because they didn't try. It's just one of the one of one of the one of the statistics. I'm proud to say uh, that October 1st of this year we celebrate 19 years. Years. Okay. Yes. God gets out. God gets all that. And I believe that's because David never has put the cart before the horse. I mean, he he hasn't. I mean, he's waited a long time. We we just got a new facility given to us in Bolivar, Tennessee. We've got a women's uh, uh, center in Olive Branch. I mean, it's growing. That's what the vision was that this stuff would be across the nation, and it's starting to happen. And so that's just that was just that was for free. But anyway, am I sensitive to what God is saying to the body of Christ? There's a need for this. Because this, this lean on me, lean on us mentality is going to get us nothing but in the toilet. Okay? We have to listen. We have to be still. Pastor, I'll tell you, he gets up every Sunday and every Wednesday. Uh, every time we go to youth villages, he usually has something to speak to the kids and stuff like that. He's a preacher. He's a pastor. I believe with all my heart and almost 20 years I've known that man, that he walked into his calling when he accepted the pastoral role here. He's and and it's and he's grown so much. I, I can't be more proud of him. And I'm not saying that because he's sitting here. I've said it to him before. He's my friend. But he to see someone take that step of faith. You know, he took a pay cut. I took a pay cut going there, but you can see I ain't missed no meals. It's one of them things to where if you're obedient and you're faithful, God's going to show up, and God shows up here every Sunday and every Wednesday. But there are times, him and I have talked about, he's got a song he wrote that I love. It's my favorite soul food tune. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to shut it down. Be still. Just don't. No, honey, I don't want to watch the grandkids tonight. I'm just going to go in the room. I just need I need some time because anything like guy, I'll go in my room and I pick up one of those and I just, I just, I just get away from it for a while. That's, I've, I've done it since I started playing 40-something years ago. It's always been my escape, and I'm thankful for that. Alcohol tried to be it for a while, but I have never never did do the hard stuff. But uh, I'm thankful that, that God used that as my uh, vice or whatever, however you want to call it. Am I over-concerned with building my image? Ministry is the same thing. I chased a neon rainbow in Nashville for almost 12 years. I was, I was fortunate enough that seven of the 12 years I didn't have to have a day job. I played six nights a week and I worked in a studio uh, during the daytime hours where I didn't, I didn't have to go have a job job. 
And so I thought I was all that anyway. <laughs> yes, I'm a musician. I'm a professional musician. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It usually means you're broke and you're hungry and you know you need your clothes washed or something. I need some new strings for my guitar. But, because if you saw as many of them in Nashville as I saw, <laughs> praise God, they needed a they needed a rehab for us. But uh, we got to quit thinking about us. We got to take us out of the equation. We pray all the time when we get when we get the opportunity to go in front of a group of people. As, as soul food, we don't care about them seeing us. Used to be, be about the clothes. Everybody got to look cool. You got to have a cool haircut. And, you know, the guitar got to look shiny. Got to have the coolest gear. Dude, we, dude, we could give a rip, man. God has provided everything we need to go do wherever we need to go. And, that, and, and give me a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. I'm good. I don't, have to, I don't have to have the big spiky hair anymore. You know, Misty, let me shave it. I'd shave it off, but she won't let me. You look like a convict. Well, I work with a bunch of them, so I want to look like one. Anyway, do I put more stock in events rather than the process of what God wants us to go through? The big stuff. Oh, well, I went to Winter Jam. Uh, I went to see Joel Osteen. I, you know. The kids are wanting to go to a, to a, what's that thing called? Uh, one of the big concerts with that Gretzinger girl and all this that's coming up over in Birmingham or something coming up. Bill and I were talking about it a minute ago. They want me and Bill to go. I'm not sleeping in a room with three boys. I'm just not doing it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> that, didn't, that sounded bad, didn't it? That, okay, events, events, big stuff. You're worried about all that type of stuff, big church services, uh, Christmas, you know, Easter like we had, that type of thing, where that's the big standpoint, that's that's the, the focal point that you're, that you're looking at. Oops, I hit that, sorry. Sorry, Richard. Um, I'm not used to having this Garth Brooks thing on. But uh, we, need, we need to get past the point of we have to have the big stuff. We need to look at the little stuff. We need to look at that guy that maybe maybe you've seen out there, you know, six, eight weeks. You know he's sleeping in an abandoned old truck over here. Is there any way we can get him in the center and help him? And maybe even if he just came in for a little bit and get cleaned up, you know. And I mean, I've got a guy. His, name, his name's Robert Jones. Everybody calls him Neckbone. This dude, I swear he would rather live in this old truck off Highland and Southern than he would, no, Highland and Summer. Um than he would be at the, but he'll come and he'll come. He's an ex former graduate. He's gone through the whole program. We let him come in. He'll stay seven, eight months. And then it gets weather like this where it gets nice outside. Here goes Robert. He'll just walk off the job site. Where's Robert? Well, he was in the truck the other night. So we know where he's at. It's hard to believe that people would choose that. You know, um, in, in, I deal with addicts and stuff like that. The homeless ones are the ones that I kind of have more of a heart for because they're, they are there for, they want to, I don't know how to say, they don't even care about the clean part. Give them, give them something to eat and give them a little corner to sit in and let them sleep. And then they'll just get up and they don't bother you. You never know they're there. I mean, I, I slept on a bench for three and a half months after I got out of the military because I was too proud to call my dad. And I was in Washington State, and he was up, you know, south of Chicago. I lived, I, I lived that way. I couldn't get a job. The place, the Tacoma of Washington, wouldn't hire ex-GIs. Oh no, we know, we know about those guys. You know, you had McCord Air Force Base and, and Fort Lewis all together, so you couldn't, you, you couldn't hardly find a job. 
Well, I was too proud to call Dad because I was an ex-GI, by golly. You know, I, they owe me something. Yeah, park bench in Puget Sound National Park. That's what I got. Didn't know if I was going to wake up. Didn't know if I was going to get to eat. Didn't know if I was going to get to do a shower. I didn't tell my dad that until about five years ago because he probably he was getting older then. <laughs> if I'd have told him 25 years ago, he'd probably still whoop me. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> But God, God knew what was going on. He, he took care of me. So when I see those guys, those guys, those guys kind of come, you know, they're more, they're more heavy on my heart. And, and I'm not saying I don't love the, the heroin addict or the meth addict or anything. I love them all. And I do. I tell them I love them every day, more than once, because I do. And uh, it's, I don't know. We just, we get to a loner mentality when it comes to that the, the homeless thing, and that's what I, I want to get them. I want to pull them out of that thing. You know, I don't. I don't want them to be there. Are you a loner in your leadership and your personal life? You kind of hang low. Okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do my part, and then I'm I'm out the door. You know, a lot of church people are like that. It's sad. The statistic I read not too long ago: the 65 percent of our church people that come to church every Sunday and sit in these seats more than likely don't even have a personal relationship with the Lord. They come to church because mom didn't, grandma didn't. This was out of the Raymond Bible College where I got to study. 65% of who you sit next to on Sunday mornings might not be saved. They just come because it's, well, we've always done it. Well, dude, let's go back to one. Is your personal walk with Jesus up to date? We are the third or the fifth largest country that is, has missionaries come here to tell us about Jesus. Really? That's sad. That is, that's, that's awful. The Church of America is so lazy and so gone to sleep. You know, it's their anesthesia. Just, give me another shot. Am I aware and honest about my weaknesses? You know, I tell the guys, you know, as men, we don't want to say we're weak at anything, right? You don't. I got this covered. I might not be as cool as Tim is on that part, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming right along. We got, we got to own up to stuff, man, or God's not going to bless us. We have to. We got to be real. He already knows. <laughs> Crap. He already knows. You know. This one is the one thing that I, 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 I talk with the guys about a lot, too. Is, is my calling constantly before me? Because a calling isn't a job. A career and a calling is two completely separate things. You can have all the degrees on the wall that you're a doctor so-and-so or you're a, a CPA so-and-so. You can, man... Awesome, dude. If that's what you did and you and you thrived at in your life, awesome. But you have a calling. You have a calling for the kingdom of God. I didn't know what mine was. You know, at first when I got saved, you know, I played a little music stuff. I'm gonna be like Jimmy Swaggart. I'm gonna do music and I'm gonna I'm gonna preach. I didn't I didn't care too much for the preaching part. I like the music part because I've always done it. But I could, I could identify with him. He's one of the first 
TV guys I listened to when I got saved because my dad wasn't having no Jesus when I got saved. I'm like, yeah, right. This is a phase. This is a phase he's going through. Everything will be fine. I take off and go in the Army. I'm 3,000 miles away, and I'm like, hey, Dad. Hey, uh, yeah, we're out here in California. We're doing this and blah, blah, blah. Hey, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus, man. I was doing this. Here's your mom. I, I kid you not. Next time you see him, ask him. He would hand the phone to her every time. Dude, I had legal pages, like 17 of these front and back. Dad, I got to tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you some more about Jesus. He wasn't listening to none of it. Then, praise God, I got to go home for Thanksgiving. I don't know if you, you old Christians remember a group called GLAD. These guys were a bunch of guys that had music degrees. They were, they were amazing. Well, they had a song. I can't remember what the title of the song was, but a, a line in it was, he didn't say wait till tomorrow or you should have been here before. Jesus is waiting. Open the door. And I played that for my dad and my sister. Like I see yesterday, and I was sitting on the end of the bed and her little cassette neck, you know how stereos used to be this big, you know, you know, all over the room. And I just looked at him and I said, Dad, I just want to see you there. And that was the seed. And I thank God for that seed because Daddy come around. Dad just got, he was a deacon at his church for a long time over in Paris, Tennessee, and, and got an awesome uh, uh, relationship with his pastor and everything like that. But his time for the deacon thing was coming up. And they kind of extended it anyway because they wanted Dad to stick around. You know, Dad turned 80 in February. So him and Larry, the other guy that was that was put in about the same time he was, they made them elders in the church. And my dad called me that night, and he said, man, he says, you know, or not that night, it was the next night. He says, you know, I came home from church yesterday, and, and your mom laid down for a nap, and I, just, I couldn't sleep. So I just went out, and I just went walking around the backyard. I just walked around the yard talking to God. I said, awesome, man. And he started crying. I said, what's the matter, Dad? He said, I don't feel worthy for this. After everything I've done in life. I said, but Dad, you're walking with him now, man. That's, that's, a, that's I said, the devil just wanted you to look at the past, man. My dad, my dad liked his liquor like I did, buddy. He sure enough did. I remember bouncing him down the hall to get him into bed at times when after I got up old enough, you know. I just thought that was life. My dad was a good moral man. He was a man of his, if he told you he was going to do something, he did it. That was the Allens. We were, man, by golly, you know, my dad come from 11. I mean, they all, they were all there, you know, and half the town was an Allen. And, uh, but he started thinking about what was. I said, don't think about what was, Dad. Think about what is, what's now, what he's going to do with you from here on out. I just don't feel worthy. He said, but I feel so honored. I said, feel that way, Dad, because that's how you should feel. I said, you serve him every day. I said, when I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I plant the seed for my dad to get saved, and he's a, him and mom are the first ones I call when I need prayer. Because I know they're sitting at that kitchen table for two or three hours every morning, lifting up the family. They're lifting this up. They're doing this. They're, I mean, every single day. They don't miss so when I need a prayer warrior, they're, yeah, they're the first ones I'm calling because I know they're going to do it. They'll do it right then. Most of the time, mom says, okay, let's just do it right now. They got a speakerphone. 
So they got a speakerphone, they sit it in the middle of the table. Well, you know, dad's trying to talk, mom talks over. Hush, honey, hush. Dad, y'all don't go, stop. <laughs> we laugh. We laugh all the time, man, because of that speakerphone. They walk around like this with it. Yeah? You can sit it on the table, dad. Everybody can hear you, you know. But, but a calling, and I'm going to use my daughter as an example, and my son. Austin, at seven or eight years old, we were we had just got done doing something. I think it was with you guys way back in the day. I don't know we'd done something somewhere. I remember it was we were tired and we were on our way home. We in my truck. He just I had the radio kind of not not high or anything like that. And I'm just like I can't wait to get a shower. You know, I said, you know, Dad, I've been talking with God. I said, you have, yeah. He's been telling me some stuff. I said, well, what's he been telling you? Well, I think he's called me to preach. Radio goes down. I said, well, tell me some more. You know, I better look at the road. And he did. I mean, and you could tell he had a conversation with God about this. I know the boy's called. Maybe all this junk he's been going through the last two years or so. It's, I know it's all part of his testimony, but this is going to be something that's going to bring some kids out of the out of the mud. I'm telling you. I believe it as I'm standing here. Kaylee, we've been doing this worship thing for years. I was ready. To, I was really ready to just quit. You know, I didn't the the setup, the tear down, all this stuff. I, I was I was tired. Thirty five to forty years of it, and uh, didn't see really a reason. You know, I can, I'll just go to church and don't go to work and all this and that. And all of a sudden, in the living room one day, a guy and I got these little things we hook up to our microphone and it sings harmony with you. We call it our Gaither in a box. Gaither's in a box. We take it with us, and we got the whole band, you know. And uh, she said, I want to sing one. Well, she had never sang. We had never heard her sing out like that ever, you know. I said, well, what do you want to sing? My chains are gone. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. Okay. So I hooked it up, you know, listen, and you can turn the harmony on or you can turn it off, you know. So I'm, I'm hitting every button on the stupid thing, blowing crap up. And she sits down, and I started playing. She starts singing, and my wife and I looked at each other and went, where did that come from? Kaylee, when she was younger, wanted to be a veterinarian. Then she wanted to be uh, a heart surgeon. She wanted to go on and be, she wanted to go to school and be a heart surgeon. Then her calling hit. Um, blew us all away. She'd been singing with us, what, five, six, more than, I guess more than that now, hadn't it? Uh, crazy. I mean, get up here, you know, get up here Sunday morning there and was and was just, I'm like, I'm like, geez, I got I to gotta look over here. I can't look at her. I'm going to start crying. So then what do I do? I, I turn around and I look at Tony and Tony's, <laughs> I'm like, I can't even look at you, man. And stop, you know. So I just said the heck with both of you. And I just walked over here. <laughs> but it's there and she knows it's there. So now... God shifted her mind, her, her, her thought process. I want, this is what I want to do. I think this is what I need to do for a living, Dad. I said, go for it, baby. She always said, Daddy, we go places and we sing. Mm -hmm. Other groups would be there. You'd get your little southern group here and your other this and that. Then I would be able to take the platform or she would come with me at that time and then other times she would come and sing with me. She said, Daddy, it's different, though, when you get on the platform. That's what I mean, different. She says, it's just different. It's like Jesus is there. 
I said, that's anointing, baby. I want that. But boy, she's got it. And then she'll... <laughs> got a whole lot more than daddy ever had. And I'm thankful I want that. But to be able... They say you're supposed to pass the mantle on. I want to pass the mantle. You, you know, I knew I, was, I knew that day was going to come someday. I didn't know it was going to be my own baby. So to watch her grow in this, and guy, you know, just sitting here, and hey, he, they, these guys called soul food are like brothers to me. And they're like uncles to her. She loves them so much. They have poured into her. Or sometimes I couldn't, but they've done it selflessly, man. Selflessly. Not to get anything in return, but just to see God work in her and grow her. I, I listened to a thing the other night, the first night she ever sang with me. We were at Abundant Life Church in Olive Branch. Mike Holland, a friend of mine, is a pastor of that church. Is, I think the church is in Hernando now. And she sang, My Chains Are Gone, and she's about this tall. And she had on a little pink shirt. So I had to go get a white shirt and a pink tie that matched her pink shirt. And I had, you know, so I'm standing here playing the guitar. She's singing, and I got the little the little voice thing going on. And people were crying. Just, they were like, this is coming out. And she sounded like a chipmunk now compared to what she sounds like. <laughs> My chains are gone. And, but we listened to it, and we go, look where she started. And look what she's doing now. And I'm bragging on it for just a second because it's a calling thing. It's different than a job. We can, we can have a job going to 8 to 5 and go same old 6 and 7 every day of the week the rest of your life. But, man, if you don't ask God and you don't search out what your calling is, what's the use? Because you can't take all them degrees on the wall, all this stuff with you. See what I'm saying? That's reputation. God ain't going to ask you about your reputation. God's going to ask you about your character. How, how come you handled this this way? How come you didn't handle it the way I told you and I showed you how to handle Or, I'm proud of you, son, you handled it like this. That's just exactly how I showed you. So there's a difference. You see what I'm saying? God's moving in this little kid's life at 15 years old. Blows, blows me. We're just, we, we sit and talk about it. The band, we're like, what the crap, you know? I wish I, had that, I wish I had that much up here at 15 that she's got. She's focused. Now, does she act like a butt at home sometime and yell at mom and dad? Yeah, I mean, that's 15. But when the anointing's on that kid and she's up doing what she's called to do, it's, it's not fake. Just like them tears of her brother sitting here Sunday morning. They weren't fake. I know, I know that boy. I brought him in this world and I can take him out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Don't, I don't care how old you are in this room, do not forsake what God has got for you. There's a calling. You've got a reason. And it's not just to come and fill up a purple chair two days a week. I have always referred to church as a gas station. It's where us as believers come in, we get juiced up, and then we go share it. And then we get back in here on Wednesday. I need, I need a fill-up. Let's go. I got this coming up. We get the privilege of going to youth villages, man. 31 kids two weeks ago raised their hand for the first time. 31 kids. 
And then last weekend we got to go into the place where they're kind of under lock and key. They can't come out. They, you know, you got a it's a little what they call it a level four or something. Where Arlington's a level three. We were in the level four, so that we we couldn't even go to the bathroom without this little card. Beep, you know, and open the door and all this and that. And but they they were appreciative that we were there. Even the staff was. And that's not a, that's not a Christian organization. So to be able to have that privilege, we figured it's 14 years, I think we've all been going out there and helping with that ministry or helping with youth villages as our ministry. And what an awesome thing. To, it's, not, it's not a feather in my cap. God called you to do it. If you're called, he's going to equip you. You know, sometimes we struggle when we're going into a job. Well, I'm going to have to go get this. I'm going to have to get this. And you got to spend a ton of money. You got to dress a certain way or you got to have a certain kind of tools. And, and yeah, yeah, but I, but I got to get this. And I, I'm going I'm to share something with you and then I'm going to cut this thing off. In 1986, I was in Nashville and I needed a guitar that plugged in, an acoustic electric to do what I, to do what I do. Because all I had was an old one that didn't have, that didn't have electronics in it. So I went down to Consignment Music on Nolensville Road, and I bought a $400 Epiphone. Um, I don't know if some of y'all have seen it here. It's a black, the black guitar I've got. I've had that thing for over 30 years. I don't like taking it out of the house much. It's kind of, kind of one of my babies. 86, 87, okay? It's 2018, okay? I have done all kind of ministry in that time, not... I mean, I wasn't doing ministry until after I moved down here from Nashville. Guitars, uh, microphones, PAs, chords, strings. God has furnished all of that since 1986-87. And I didn't realize it until a few years ago. I'm thinking, He provides. He called me to do this for Him, and He takes care of me. The middle guitar right there, those are all three breed loves. One is Kaylee's and the other two are mine. The one in the middle is about 12 years old. Cost about $1,200 brand new back in the day. I was with, I worked with a guy that just, he loved me to death for some reason. I don't know why. We were still good friends, but there was just something about me. He liked to be around me, and I just tried to be me. He had, he had money, and he bought the guitar one day and then handed it to me. So here. I'm taking that. Yeah, play it a little bit. I said, no, you won't get it back. I just like, he said, I don't want it back. Then he came back to me the next day and his wife got to him. I told you to quit giving stuff away. He says, you got a dollar? Yeah. Okay, we're good now. So I paid a dollar for the guitar. God has blessed me since then. Through other people, other people that, that sitting in this room right now. I, 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 all I did was try to be faithful and try to be obedient. I don't want my kids to say anything about me but that. I don't want them, Dad, Daddy played guitar. Daddy could sing. Daddy was fat. Daddy was skinny. Daddy had this hairdo and he had that hairdo. I don't, I don't want, I don't, I don't. When it's time for me to go home, if you can say, hey, man, he was faithful and he was obedient. And that's all I want. That's, that's the reward we should be after. Amen? Amen? Don't leave tonight 
without going home, doing everything. God, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do? Most everybody in here knows. But I mean, what do I need to do to bring this more, you know, more to the forefront? What, what could my calling do to help my church? What could my calling do to help the, the, the Warrior Center? Whatever, whatever it is, you know, the guys like it when I bring the guitars. And I've said, I'm going to have, I'm going to have soul if we're going to do the, the acoustic thing we do like at the nursing home here in a little while. They want to hear Kaylee sing. It's good to just have a night to where, I, the first night I did it, I said, I want you to see what Chad does when he's not here. Chad, don't go home and watch the TV all the time. Or, you know, yeah, I got to go mow the yard and do all this. This is, I, I'm in ministry from the time I hit my feet in the floor to the time I lay down. You are too. It doesn't matter if you have a job. If you God wakes you up in the morning, you can put your feet on the ground. You're in full-time ministry. Because that Bible right there says we're supposed to go tell people. People are supposed to know you're his. And it ain't me, you know, going down the road in a traffic jam and telling somebody you're number one. Oh, that's Pastor so-and-so. Oh, my Lord. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just keep the number ones to yourself. God's awesome. Be, a, be accountable to somebody and let somebody be accountable to you. It helps that you're not walking it alone. We shouldn't walk it alone. He's right here. You know what I'm saying? I walk around every day. I walk around that warrior center and I say, all right, God, what do you want me to do? What do I need to say to this guy? What does this guy need? Does he need a hug? Does he just need to say, hey, what's up? Does he need to pray? It's awesome to work with a staff that loves the Lord. We don't do anything before we pray. We don't quit anything before we pray. And God's blessed it. God's blessed it so richly. Y'all know without a shadow of a doubt that he loves you. Go love someone else tonight. Go tell somebody. I don't care if you got to go to Walmart. I hate Walmart. I hate this, this one especially. Like I'd rather get kicked in the shins. Don't, Tim. It was a joke. It was just a play on one. But wherever you're going, man, they should know who you are. They should know what team you're on. Don't be like somebody else. God's dealt with, with me and my wife over the years about talking. You know, well, we're just saying this. No, you're gossiping. We're gossiping. We're talking about somebody. You know, we uh, everybody's done it in here. She's like, get up, Callan. That's just that's just one stupid thing. Or or someone cuts you off in traffic or whatever my there that waiter's slow. He ain't getting no tip from me. Well, okay, then go home, you know. We need to show each other whose team we're on as well as showing the world. Amen. Let's do it, man. Let's just, let's just go out here and run this thing for God. That's what he wants. He wants it more than anything. Give it up. All he's asking is for one thing. Everything. Anybody in here that might have doubts, might have doubts that if you died right now or you died tonight, or all of a sudden, God just decides, I'm blowing the trumpet and I'm coming back. 
You don't know where you're going. You need to get it right tonight. It says right here you're not guaranteed tomorrow. It's not a for sure thing. Come see me. Come see Pastor. If you don't know, I know most of you are, but there's I don't know all of y'all. If there's if there's someone in here that if you were to die tonight and you don't know where you're going, you need you need to take care of some business tonight. And I'll be bold enough to say it. You need to take care of it tonight. He's real. He loves you. And eternity goes both ways. You can spend it in glory or you can spend it in agony. So you have to make that decision. What would suck completely, I'm sorry for the word, but what would suck completely about going out and doing the ministry that Pastor and I get to do outside the church, inside the church, wherever we may go. Pastor's come and, and spoke to the guys at the Warrior Center and they love him, man. They want, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? What would just completely suck is if all of a sudden the horn did blow and I go to heaven and I don't see none of y'all. So what was tonight for? Nothing. See what I'm saying? That's why it's so important that when we get the opportunity to lay the gospel out, that we give them the opportunity to come into the family. I mean, we're amiss if we don't do that. I mean, I, I, I love talking about Jesus. I love singing about Jesus. But if I don't give you the opportunity to have that same love I got, then do I really love you? Do I really care? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.